Jerome. Good morning, church family. Hope you all are having a blessed week. We'll start this week off right. Um, Jerome again for leading us in worship. Charlie, thank you for your prayer. And Stan, thank you for your thoughts on the Lord's Supper. Um, I really love coming here. I get, I get fed. I hope you guys do too. Um, so we started a series I called The Grind a couple weeks ago. And this time I had a little bit more time to work on it. So I hope you guys will enjoy it a little bit more. But I'm on session two today, and I'm going to be reading from Philippians chapter three, if you guys want to follow along. So for those of you who weren't here a couple weeks ago, uh, we learned about a man named Saul from Acts chapter seven and eight, who was a persecutor of Christians for following Jesus. So then we learned about him on his road to Damascus. Jesus visited him and he had a transformed heart. And immediately after he was baptized, he went and preached Jesus Christ as Lord in the synagogues. And then. Later on in Acts chapter 13, we find out that Saul changed his name to Paul, which is also his Greek name. So he was going to preach to the Gentiles or the Greeks, so he started using his name Paul. So, Philippians chapter 3, we're going to find out that uh, Paul is writing this letter to the Philippians in church, I mean, to the church in Philippi from prison. Now, remember when we talked about Jesus said to Paul that he's going to have to, he's going to show Paul how much he has to suffer for the sake of Christ. And Paul is writing from prison. So this particular letter to the church in Philippi is one of my favorites to read. It was one of my favorites that I first studied when I became a Christian for a lot of reasons. But for one interesting fact is that in a total of 104 verses, Paul references Jesus Christ as his name and his Lord almost 51 times. So almost half. So if you ever need a refresher, just read Philippians. Paul will keep telling you about joy in Jesus. And you can find the theme of joy. Paul writes about it quite often. So we go to a verse. We're going to start in chapter three, verse. Uh, so we're going to start in verse seven. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. But that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God, and is by faith. Now, Paul was talking about his previous life that we talked about a couple weeks ago as a persecutor of Christians. And if you go back a little bit in chapter 3, uh, Paul talks about in verse 5, he says, He was circumcised on the eighth day of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. For As for zeal, persecuting the church... As for legalistic righteousness, faultless. This guy was follower of the law to the T. He's saying I was righteous because I followed the law. And that's why I was persecuting the church, because they weren't following the law as good as I was. So Paul is writing this letter to a church that has supported him in prayer, supported him monetarily, and was the first city in Europe that was preached Jesus as the Son of God. So this church family meant so much to Paul. And his family was worried about him because he was in prison. They were emotionally attached to him and his testimony of a changed heart. So Paul compares the two by saying he considered everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus. When comparing our old life of sin and our new life in Christ, we should feel the same way. If you remember in Matthew 16, 25 and 26... Turn back to that real quick for you guys. It says that 
Judith. Thank you. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? If she compare our old life to our new life in Christ, it should be two different things. Now, comparison to other people can be an enemy of contentment and joy. And me being youth minister, the, most, the place I find people comparing each other, social media. Good old social media. You know, it can, be, it can feed that comparison monster. But we can't find any joy in that. You know, I asked a few uh, members of our church family to help me with this lesson, asking them where and how they find joy. One brother said, I find joy when I slow down and thank God for all my countless blessings. So, so much to be grateful for, and it's easy to lose sight of everything he has blessed me with. Asked the sister, joy is natural happiness, and I find joy whenever I'm with my theater family, doing a show. That's where I find joy. Standing on a stage and doing what God has sent me to do brings me joy. Another brother said that he finds joy when he's able to hang out with his two older brothers. He says they all have crazy schedules, and when they have time, he cherishes it. Where do you find joy? Brother Charlie Painter always shared with me that joy stood for Jesus, others, than yourself. I think that's a good start, Charlie. Now, Paul is telling us that he has found joy in his life through suffering for Jesus. Now, he says in verse 8 that he considers his old life rubbish. Now, that word is translated, it's rubbish to me would mean like trash or garbage. But the actual Greek word that Paul uses is the word for animal waste. That's that terrible. So when we compare the two between knowing Christ and our old life of sin, that should be what it is compared to. Now, compared to my life, my life now, my old life was animal waste. So what we can do this today. Number three on the back of your on the back of the bulletin says, I "Want you guys to fill in yourself." I'll only be happy when blank. Now, most of the things that we would put in there would take the place in our heart where Jesus is trying to transform us from the inside out. When we look for the end of ourselves, we will find the beginning of Jesus working in our hearts. Paul found a basis for confidence that didn't depend on his obedience, but on his trust in Christ's obedience. This whole letter to the church in Philippi is telling them that we can be a part of this story too. If we are to suffer, then we are in fellowship with Jesus. So in verse 10 and 11, Philippians chapter 3, Paul says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. Paul is wanting to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, to become like him in death. He wants to be like Jesus even in death. He's been given a new life, and he has tried to live like Jesus every day, and he even wants to be like him in death. That's faith. Have you ever come across anybody or met anybody who knows about something but doesn't really know it? You know, faith is the means by which validation is received, not its basis. 
Paul is finding joy when he looks to Jesus and sees the suffering that he went through on the cross compared to Paul writing this letter in prison. I mean, think about that. Jesus died on the cross to save the souls and lives of the people who were crucifying him. I'll say that one more time. Dying on the cross to save the souls, hearts, and lives of the people who were crucifying him. That is amazing. Now, Paul is also saying that he could either look, have God look at his life directly, or he can have God look through his life, look at his life through the lens of his son Jesus in the cross. That he could offer the best life that he could, but if it wasn't through the life of Jesus, through the lens of it, it would be no good. It's rubbish. Paul was willing to die to himself so that he could walk worthy in the eyes of Jesus. He was going to totally surrender his entire being to the will of God. So how do we become like Christ? Well, there are four Gospels you can start in, but since the format we have here today, if you turn back to Philippians 2, I'm starting in verse 5. Paul tells this beautiful poem about how to imitate Christ. It says, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. What a beautiful name that is. Now, that's real. Now, not considering what it is like to be equal with God, like Adam and Eve tried to back in the garden. said, we don't need you, God. I know what good and evil is. If you guys haven't read that part of the story, I'll give you a quick end. It didn't turn out too good. So many others have tried to take what they think is good and evil and not follow what God says. Jesus, it says here Jesus didn't even consider it. He didn't do it, consider it his own way. He knew he had to do it God's way. You see another thing on the back of the bulletin, number five, it says Jesus became real when? And that's another one I want you guys to fill out yourselves. But I want to share with you a couple of moments in my life when Jesus became real. Now, as most of you know, I struggled with addiction in my 20s, and I met my, who is my now wife, Sarah, and she introduced me to this guy named Jesus. And I came, came studying and uh, came to know him and experience him. And when I decided to give my life to him, I knew it wasn't going to be, uh, couldn't quit just cold turkey. It was going to be tough, but I did, because I wanted God to fight my battle for me, and he did. I conquered that because God did, not because I did, because I let Jesus do it. And then another story I want to share with you. I used to be a land surveyor, and we worked at this office. had three, three people in it, plus the owner. And the owner say, wasn't very good with the books. When I found this out later on, didn't know it at the time. But morale got really low. A lot of people got uh, let go. There's only a couple of us left. And every morning, the other people that worked there did not want to be there. You could tell that they didn't want to be there. And even the boss would come in late about 
and kind of just mosey around and not really want to be there either. So, of course, you know, when that happens, everybody, everybody else doesn't want to be there either. So I just kept going in there with an attitude, beating everybody to work and having all the lights on, ready to go, and smiling, telling everybody, hello, welcome, come to work. And then one day, a couple of the guys asked me, why are you always so happy? So, man, let me tell you, I was able to share my part of the Jesus story with them. Now, you plant a seed. Now, one of the guys I, have, I lost contact with because he moved out of state, but the other one, eventually, he has been baptized two years ago, and he's doing good in Christ. No matter what you do, you will be planting seeds. That's what we're supposed to do. I was able to bring a little bit of heaven into that place that seemed very, very dark every day. And that's what continues to bring me joy throughout the week. When we empty ourselves and truly listen to God and his will for our lives and know Jesus and try to emulate him in everything that we do, we bring a little bit of heaven down here. How can that not bring you joy? How amazing would the world be if we were all a little bit like Jesus out there? I want to challenge you all this week. Bring a little bit of heaven down here on earth and empty yourself and be like Jesus. And go out into the world the world of sin and darkness, little spots of heaven. You all are little spots of heaven out there this week. I want you guys to challenge you. I want to challenge you to do that. You know, if you are interested in how or what it takes to know Christ, we, as we stand and sing, we're gonna, I'll ask you to come forward. And so while we are standing, if you are broken, you'll be mended. And if you're wounded, you'll be healed by Jesus and his love. God sent his son in human form. So that everyone in this room could have a chance to get to know him and have God look through our lives through the lens of Jesus and see somebody that is justified and pure and holy. As we stand and sing, I ask that you come forward. If you're in need. Yeah.